This is Podco Media Networks. Hi there, Global Citizens. For the next two-part interview, I visit with Nana Amwakuanin, founder and owner of Bliss Yoga Accra and the Bliss Wellness Center. We're at her lovely home in Accra, Ghana. In part one, Nana tells us about her transition from New York City powerhouse attorney to Accra-based wellness ambassador and market maker. In part two, we pick up the conversation with an introduction to the newest offering in Nana's Bliss portfolio, the Bliss Wellness Center. We also learn more about how her work with children is tackling the unspoken traumas inherent in the global child trafficking crisis. I'm here with a wonderful, dynamic entrepreneur, and she's based here in Accra, where we are. Her name is Nana Amwako Anin, and she is the founder of Bliss Yoga Accra. Nana's had over 20 years of experience on the mat. Her business is booming, and she's also now moving into the life coaching space. I will leave my introduction there and hand it off to you, Nana. Tell us more about yourself. Wow, thanks. That was a lovely introduction. I'm really excited to be on and to all the listeners, how are you guys doing? That's a big question. A lot of people kind of identify that question of tell me about yourself. I probably want to tell you a few interesting, maybe inspirational things about myself and my journey to Ghana. Um, I'm originally from Ghana and I grew up in the U.S. and my parents are retired diplomats and I've traveled pretty much all over the world. I ended up in Accra as a young mother. We relocated after a stint um, working as a lawyer, as a prosecutor in Manhattan, um, and also as a banker. There's an interesting call to duty um, for me. I think I had a pretty simple, strategic lifestyle. Always knew I wanted to practice law, had um, worked as a teacher in New York City, as a public school teacher, art teacher, after graduating from Columbia University, but had found that my health score was low, that I was working too many hours, I was experiencing too many traumatic events in the work I was doing, representing some of my victims. And so yoga became a really great part of my life. And I think you guys heard, the viewers or listeners heard about Bliss Yoga Kra. I licensed to be a yoga teacher in New York City and then decided that my husband and I would leave America, which is a big move as a business person and come back to Ghana, where he also was originally from. So we relocated about seven years ago to Ghana and did some lawyering in town when I arrived, did some good work with people, but decided that the lifestyle was a bit too rigid. And there's some freedom in being in Ghana, there's some freedom of being global. So it was a license to teach yoga, decided to teach yoga, but then, then accidentally became a studio owner and a business owner because people seemed to, to need this practice more than just an individual teacher. So that's kind of the opening up of the conversation, just gives people some background about who I am. Great. Thanks for that. So you've given us a little bit of background. You've given us a little bit about your inspiration, mm-hmm. just a little bit. But why don't, why don't you go a little bit deeper into that? Mm-hmm. Um, tell us a little bit more about the inspiration and a little bit more about why the where. So, of course, you're both. It's kind of obvious mm-hmm. because you and your husband are both from Ghana yeah. and you chose Accra, yeah. but you could have chosen Kumasi. Mm-hmm. You could have chosen any part of Ghana potentially. So yeah. tell us more about why the where and mm-hmm. what inspired you. Sure. 
We were living in the city. We both knew that New York was a great place to live. We had a lovely apartment in Park Slope. We had created that kind of American dream story. However, at the time, the market started to change in New York and Wall Street generally, and we were both completely comfortable and fine in our jobs. And But we realized something, that are we going to continue living this way, just kind of waiting for the end of the month, wondering whether our job would be there in two years, the constant stress of performance because of the market. Many young professionals experience this their whole life. But we realized something that that was creating a lot of stress. And so forward thinking, the inspiration was how can we create a lifestyle where we maybe even own our own home, you know, meaning that we have a home that's not worth paying, you know, for, for most of our lives on the earth. And we have some financial freedoms And also we live in a city, you know, because we were both living in New York and we wanted to be in a cosmopolitan environment. So coming back to Ghana, yes, our husband's family is from Kumasi. My father has some roots in Kumasi. There are other cities, but Accra just seemed to be a really interesting, exciting. And seven years ago, a lot of people were moving. Right. The market had changed and there was a lot of this push and many people came and left, you know, but people were talking about it. Mm -hmm. So we were very inspired to say like, well, our peers are talking about it and a few have gone, so let's go. And so that's kind of the deeper pull. But lastly, a lot of the inspiration was likely for me that I got to a point where I was living in New York where I felt kind of empty. You know, I worked this really fancy job. I had like a really, really sizable paycheck. But the people I went to see were kind of, their emotional consciousness was not there. As a yogi, somebody who was moonlighting, teaching at night, in another community that was really focused on wellness, I was working in a a bank on Wall Mm -hmm. Street, and Mm -hmm. the banking industry doesn't really have a lot of softness. Mm -hmm. So I found that my life was quite dry. Mm -hmm. And I just then had had a child, and when you have a child, your maternal instincts also start thinking about what environment are you creating for your child, what environment are you creating for your family. So that's where the inspiration was like, this is dry, there's not really a lot of life here. How do we create some light? So Ghana was exciting, it was fresh, it was tropical, it was warm. <laughs> we left warm. the New York shores. <laughs> The heat, um, we got off the plane and my daughter said, do I have to wear a jacket? I said, never again. (laughs) You don't even have to do that. So that's where we we came to. We wanted, we were adventurous and we wanted something lively. We wanted warmth. We wanted heat. We wanted, you know, life capacity. We wanted prana, which which basically means lifeblood. We wanted that. And that was the inspiration. Nice. So now we go into my glocal speak question. So this is where I ask my guests, what phrase, word, or saying is a meaningful part of your local experience and how have you come to value that glocal speak? Yeah, I was reading this, I was reading about this potential question and I thought to myself, it's such a powerful one. I have so many ways of thinking about like quotes maybe or inspiration. Um, And so I'll just say to you, for me being in Ghana, for me leaving, I'll still remember when I was leaving my firm that I worked in in New York, and one of these beautiful, she's Guyanese women who worked at the firm for like 35 years, had had the same home in the Bronx, had raised her children through the same job. I sat down with her at lunch, she was much older than me, and she said, so you're leaving Ghana to, leaving America to move to Ghana to start over again at this level of your life? And I said, you know what? 
Yes, I am. But the words that I continue to use as I moved when I put in my resignation or when I got on the plane was surrender. Mm. That you have to, to be able to be global, to to go over, you need to be able to surrender the idea that there's something fresh ahead of you, there's something known ahead of you, and living in a, a developing industry, your lifestyle is about surrendering every day. Sure. So in order to be sane and balanced and removed from the regrets of, oh, I left this, that, this, that, this, mm-hmm. we generally as people tend to compartmentalize where we are, or the goals we've made, or what our set of life is. But to live in a new country, to relocate internationally, to anybody who's listening that's probably just experienced this, you have to surrender. So we got here on day one, we had to start from scratch. Sure. You know, we had to get to know the terrain, we had to understand our daily moves. So surrender is a very simple word. Yeah. But it speaks volumes for living in West Africa. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Surrender. Thank you for surrendering some time for us today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So let's get a little bit deeper into your work. You have this wonderful, beautiful studio. I love it. I am a student yeah. of yoga at Bliss Yoga Kra. And you have grown that into something that is kind of becoming an institution here mm-hmm. in Accra. So mm-hmm. tell us more about the work, what mm-hmm. exactly you do, yes. what are you looking at, like trends, things like that. Yes, that's a great conversation. And I'm actually part of a, a research study recently that's been launched um, in South Africa about yoga in Africa. Oh. That's a whole other conversation. Right. Continue to bloom into. But yes, so Bliss Yoga Accra is a seven-year-old yoga studio that was opened generally to the public in a, a luxury hotel in, in Ghana, a marketplace that was helpful to us to do. And people make choices when you open businesses like that about being in a market that is about tourism. Mm. So we are a tourist business. Tourism is yoga is a tourism in that tourism market. And so we did open in that environment and invested to start our brand there. We started very small. I still remember the first day of classes. We were fitting out the unit and a couple people came and signed a book. I still have the book. Three (laughs) students from the American Embassy. When are you opening? So a gentleman from down the hall. When are you opening? I had five names in my notebook. I was like, great. And it was a 10 a.m. class on Saturday. That was it. And they started coming. There was five of them and then maybe six of them. And then we were excited that we had one yoga class. And eventually, after maybe two months, we had 15 people in a room that could only fit 12. Mm-hmm. And the hotel started to notice that we were turning people away. And we then had to build a website because we didn't have one. We had a small landing page. And then the hotel gave us this giant unit and our classes became like 40 people on Saturdays at 10 a.m. Because it was the only really affirmative yoga class right. or space in Accra generally that was consistent. So then we realized that, oh, and we is really I, because mm-hmm. as a business owner in this market, you start alone. But I met a teacher who was also trying to get herself ready because she just licensed in, in Belgium. And we started another class. And so after two or three years, we had like three classes on our studio mm-hmm. schedule. And we started with 25 students to 50. And then by year six, we had like 800 people in our database. And by year seven, we were pushing about a thousand people in three months coming into the studio in Osu where we just moved. So eventually we had to kind of back into the business. And so if we're talking about business talk, you start something small, but then it gets bigger and then you have to learn to go back to set up. So Mm. all the things start to ramp up, our accounting systems and our 
communication protocols and managing people and customer service mm -hmm. and training staff on what customer service is and also on thinking about the therapeutic environment. How do you manage a community that's doing, that you're doing business for, offering a service for, they're paying for service, but they're also sometimes have emotional needs that you have to make sure you're catering to. Right. So you're not just having people buying salad. They're coming with an emotional story and some of it's related to transitions or trauma or separations or so you have to make sure that your staff is in tune with the market that you're presenting mm -hmm. to so the business was accidental moment it was meant to be a space of a few cubic meters that would cater to private students one-on-ones mm -hmm. for my personal self that would allow me to cater to my lifestyle that i could be present for my daughter it became an accidental moment because you don't turn people away when they start coming. Right. You're a right. service provider, somebody who's worked with people to assist and coach throughout my life. I said, well, I don't want to close because it's too big. I need to make it bigger. Sure. So after like six months, we expanded and I rented another unit and took another leap of faith. And then the market happened. Ghana and Africa is now newer, but now welcomed yoga. Mm -hmm. So now people all over Accra from somebody who's born here, who went to school here, somebody who's relocated from Singapore to do business at an NGO are all coming to the same environment. And we've noticed that now the wellness conversation is everywhere mm -hmm. and we feel credited that we've been able to be part of that. Mm -hmm. We've been able to send some of our ambassadors out to the market so now there's other outreaches. There's organic farming. There's many, many farmers markets. There's yoga in hotels. There's yoga in restaurants. There's yoga in clothing mm -hmm. stores. There's, right. The big storyline to this, as I kind of close this portion of the talk, is you start small and then in developing markets, you work backward. So we learned mm -hmm. a lot. Learning curve was high because it wasn't really, the business wasn't ever meant to be. And we came in and we made it meant to be. When I look at a few of your the things that you haven't mentioned about your business yeah. is that you've adapted your model very well. Mm -hmm. So number one, you mentioned, OK, I was the only teacher yeah. and then I met a woman who mm -hmm. was just newly licensed. Then I had another teacher. Yeah. Yeah. But the elephant in the room is where do you get teachers? Yeah. You know, this mm -hmm. is a developing market here. So you're, you know, maybe scratching for, yeah. you know, people who decide to relocate as well. Yes. But then you innovated mm -hmm. and did something really yeah, we started, a, a, launched a teacher training program mm -hmm. because we felt that. And so truly, you're right, as a business, you have to also think about the longevity and sustainability of your business. And in any, any Fortune 500 company, the Robin Sharmas of the world, who's an executive coach and coaches Fortune 500s a lot, who has his own business, he always talks about this concept that you have to make sure that you're not the only one. Mm -hmm. And that's also where ego comes out of that, that mm -hmm. you have to be able, as a businesswoman or man, know that you should not be the business. Right. You are the only one that, oh, Nana or Florence, I'm just going to see her. Your business will never survive a sure. 10-year span. So when I got in, also teaching yoga is very tiring. Right. And so, <laughs> um, the first year to be able to become a yoga school, I had to teach a thousand hours of teaching. Oh, wow. I had to teach a thousand hours to be able to open the yoga school. And so I taught hundreds of classes. Wow. I pretty much built the studio myself. Sure. Because students were coming to me on Tuesdays and Thursdays and Saturdays and Sundays, and it was all public classes. 
and I had one teacher who would shadow me because she was just getting in. But in order to be able to license to be a yoga school, I had to do that. Mm -hmm. But eventually after that year or two of mm -hmm. being stretched physically, I realized that it's not about me and it became about me that I needed to get other people out there. So we started to license with Yoga Alliance after some time when they gave us accreditation and became a yoga school and started teaching to be te teaching people to become teachers. And from that, we've been able to, in seven years, we've trained 73 people nice. and licensed them. And so those licenses, some have left the country, others have gone off and opened their even own studios. And then many have been so excited about what we do. So they've come on and become part of the business. Right. And that's... Right. That's the right, portion. right, and I think that that's a key thing to recognize and understand in emerging markets like yes. this is that yes. we have a responsibility to build capacity yes. because unfortunately there's just not always there, especially yes. with the new and innovative products mm -hmm. or services. Mm -hmm. So kudos yeah. on that. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Another thing that I kind of observed about how now you're moving more into the wellness, and I feel like this mm -hmm. was a great catalyst for that, is mm -hmm. we took a very special trip. No, but three years ago, three years ago, yeah. yes, mm -hmm. yes, we, you organized yes. a retreat, yes. Yes. we went to Goa mm -hmm. in India, we had yeah. an amazing, it was life changing for yeah, me, so for sure. that's definitely, and so how did that mm -hmm. change your business, and or is that a big catalyst for where you're moving now, because I'm seeing that yes. in a lot of how I've changed and the things that I'm yeah, gravitating towards as yes. well. Very good question, those big trips, I always call that my India. I'm mm -hmm. sure you might say that as mm -hmm. well. My India. It's all over my house. Yes. It's in my everyday. I still picture the routines that we had together. Mm -hmm. Yes, it truly has changed. I still remember that trip when we arrived. There were about six of us or seven of us, including myself. And the host of the retreat saw me in my excitement and tiredness of being yeah. a host of, an, of a trip. Sure. And she sat me down and said to me, you, the next time you come, one, come alone. So it's yes. about you. And you need more people. You need more support. When you go home mm. from the visual first Ayurvedic profile of myself in the doctor's office, and now he said, you are drained. You know, you need, yeah. as a business, you need to continue to find, push for more, more people, more assistance, so that you can step away and that this can become something you love again. So I think at the point of India, we were just, again, grappling with the developing market and yeah. still having to be. So the trip was a hosting event that really made me see that self-care had to come back. Mm -hmm. So on India, we were doing our own yoga. We were students again, all of us. Right. So I got back to the U.S. for a bit and then back to Ghana. I realized that I needed to step even further out. So what happened was the teachers became more present. Yeah. And eventually after now, now in year seven, I'm not even teaching on the calendar. You can't find me on the calendar. Ah, on the that's calendar. right. That's and right. Yeah. The, a concept of that people, I come to my student, people don't know who I am. They're like, oh, are you taking classes today? I'm like, yeah, I'm just here to visit. <laughs> and it makes good sense. Sure. That's what it is. Yeah. And so yeah. India, and for most of the listeners who do a retreat or a trip away, sometimes it makes you think about, like, how do you sit? Like, what do you need? Yeah. And so India, my India was a way to come back and say, how can I function and still be alive in this business mm -hmm. in 10 years? Mm -hmm. And that's it. It's stepping away and being behind the scene and also watching the development of other people. Right. You see? Thanks for joining us for part one of our discussion with Nana Amwako and Nin. Be sure to join us again next week 
for more thoughtful business and local lifestyle insights.